what's the bet you guys got this weekend? Like the the bet? <laughs> Is there a uh, bet between Nick and Jen this week? Since it's couples fantasy football it's week. Cu- it's the couples clash. The collusion class. Say what? Nicholas, did we bet? No. I'm just trying to make it out of here this week alive. Ain't, ain't, <laughs> no, ain't no time for you, bets. What did you say to me the other night? I said, are we a team? <laughs> and she said, yes, because that's the thing that we say to each other. She, she Actually, that's the thing that she says to me when she wants me to agree with her on something. Or when I'm not <laughs> agreeing with her on something. She says, I thought we were a team. So I said, are we a team? And she said, yes, classic trap. And I said, okay, then I'm going to need the win this week. I hesitated. You did, because really in your heart, you knew you didn't want to be a team. I was like, something's up. You never asked me. That's true. And you said it real suspect. Collusion. Yeah, and then she went out and got Curtis Samuel and decided that she wasn't going. She wasn't going to be a team. (laughs) (laughs) I did that before you asked. I know. (laughs) I think. Nicholas, you know our patio was not in the running for the competition. Why? What did? I don't know. They just didn't take our photo. All these patio contests—it's just so that they can find violations to get you on later. They have evidence, bastard. It's a ghost stationary bike. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that yeah, that was bullshit. That was bullshit. I missed doing my stationary bike outside. Motivating the neighbors as they drive by. Look at that guy on a stationary bike. I mean, it was like super mm. early into quarantine. Like there was no one, like nothing's going on. Yeah. Mira, mira. Es un peloton out there. I would not leave uh, a peloton outside. I would not either. <laughs> I feel like I'm the wrong. I'm not the target audience for peloton. I don't need someone yelling at me. I don't, yeah. I don't need that interaction. Even the virtual mm. kind. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Pass. Jen I, programs it a certain way, and she's he's pedaling. They're like, are we a team, Nick? Are we a team? <laughs> Come on, bitch. It's exactly how she says it. That emphasis. We're on a group chat with uh, my cousin's husband and Antonio. You're a fan favorite. Oh, he likes you a lot. Yay. He likes listening to you. But he did ask, why is he always mad? No, he said sad. Oh, sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why is he, why is he sad? You, let me tell you about my Antonio. Son, this is my happy, is my happy voice. This is my angry voice. This is my uninterested voice. I mean, it, it's, the same, it's the same tone he used when he gave Clueless a four. It's true. It's true. <laughs> um, so everybody, has so everybody been watching this week? friends <gasps> jen ryan what i saw your i saw your i know intrigue. i saw jen's too oh. and i was like <laughs> <laughs> oh just you wait just you wait ryan uh in honor of us doing a sports movie let alone a baseball movie i watched a uh, little big league it's a movie about a young kid that inherits the minnesota twins from his his grandfather's untimely death and he decides to manage the team, and the team loses to mean-ass Ken Griffey Jr. Damn him. He was so cool. Everyone loved Ken Griffey Jr., and then I was like, man, you're kind of mean in this movie. With his hat bound backwards? Everyone would go and like take batting practice and have their hat backwards because Ken Griffey Jr. did it. He looked so cool doing it, too. The reason why I watched it this week was because 
Moneyball kind of feels like the big boy version of Little Big League in a way. Like what was special about Little Big League, aside from being completely unrealistic, was you had this young kid that wasn't very good at playing baseball. Like at the beginning of the movie, they show him kind of playing and in the middle, but he understood the game and he understood its history probably better than most. I remember as a kid, I was not a great little leaguer by any stretch of the mean. Like I played ball like everybody else did, but I loved baseball. But it it taught me that if you used your mind, you could be successful in a physical sport like baseball. Hence why I thought it kind of related to Moneyball in a way. That's why I watched it this week. It's good. I recommend it. I don't I don't know what the order is. I'm not looking at it, but I really want to get to Jim. <laughs> All the movies I've seen lately have been for the first time. I did Shutter Island. The Cabin in the Woods, which that whole movie is a, a weird little experience. Experiment. I don't know what that was. <laughs> um, and I know there's a ton of cabin movies, so that's the one with... Um, Chris Hemsworth. That's good. And then we watched The Rock. It's not entirely true. We watched The Rock first. That, yeah, that's right. I had forgotten what we had watched aside from the other two, and Nick had to remind me that we watched The Rock, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's what <gasps> we did. On- he just broke Ryan's heart. You can pinpoint the moment where his heart breaks. <laughs> I know there's a podcast, and you can't see me, but prior to that, I was like Christoph Waltz and Inglorious Bastards. I was like, yee! <laughs> so happy. We were, I forgot what I said. Um, it was something about Michael Bay. I was like, Something, I don't know. It was something about Michael Bay and like his explosions. I was like, oh, I bet he really goes off in this one. And like literally, like we were only like a few minutes in and like two seconds later, a car blew into flames for no reason. And I was like, yep. It's it's the trolley scene at the beginning. And and Um, they're in a chase. And then, um, is it the trolley scene? Is that what it was? Why did that car explode? I'm pretty sure something happened before. I don't know. No, it is just it is just the intro. I'm sorry. It's just the intro. They're cutting random scenes. Literally for no reason. Right. They're, it's just and then boom, there's like fire and an explosion. And it, it has no context in the movie. It's just Michael Bay cooking. <laughs> Isn't it great? Cooking with fire. <laughs> it was entertaining. I also said I was like, I feel like Michael Bay's version of directing aside from just explosions and fire. He saw Nicolas Cage and he like he did one scene and he was like, I have no edits. Just keep yelling the entire time. You're right in front of his face. Scream at the top of your lungs. <laughs> That's all it was. I just want to find some rockets. I still liked it, though. I mean, did you? It was fun. It was. I mean, it's Nick Cage. It's not a great movie. It's not kick ass. Oh. I was just like this. It's like Michael Bay just did everything he wanted to do in one movie. <laughs> Crashes, explosions, yelling. Humvee going up and down San Francisco. Oh. It was interesting. I I told Jen when we were watching it, I really can't wait for, and it's probably not going to happen, but I really can't wait for Daniel Craig to be like 65 and do a movie like that where it's basically him being... Like, cause I mean, that's, you know, Sean Connery is essentially, they, they just can't call him James Bond. Right. But you wanted that, didn't you? That would have been great. But Michael Bay also was not the right person to do that sort of thing. Jen, two things and then we'll move along. One, how great was that Nicolas Cage, Sean Connery line, the, the prom queen? How did it go? 
She was the prom queen. Losers always whine about their best. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. Is that where that line came from? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan says a lot. <laughs> my dad and I used to always say that. And then my sister was prom queen. <laughs> and we stopped saying it. Oh boy. <laughs> Actually, I think my sister was prom princess. That's what they call, I guess, the juniors. Your sister was prom princess? Yeah, shut up. I can't imagine that at all. You should see the photos. It's hilarious. <laughs> Isn't she a listener? She's going to kill me. Hey, she won, so. She did. Fuck, right. Fuck the haters. And then the second thing, Jen, how awesome is the scene when he's waving the flares over his head? Oh, you see she was She explosion. wasn't even paying attention at that point. <gasps> no, she had her fucking phone out. She was over it, but... <laughs> Well, because it was it was like a thirty second clip. Also, in the beginning, they say, "Okay, you have twenty seconds to like put this needle in like to your heart." Which I'm pretty sure he didn't put that in his heart. It was like the middle of his stuff. I was like, "Where the fuck's his heart?" He should have died. I'd be so pissed if I if I had to stab myself in the chest and then I missed, <laughs> and I'm just sitting there like looking like a dumbass. With a giant needle in my chest. I don't know. I have a, that movie was a little frustrating. I was like, why is everyone so aggressive? Yeah, she had a lot of questions. A lot of, a lot of like, why the fuck is this happening in that movie? Good times. I showed her that for you, Ryan. What I you're saying is that. I don't need to waste my time watching it. Is that what you're saying, Jen? If there's a way to watch it, like, sped up a little bit. <laughs> Antonio, what did you watch this week? Sorry. Uh, have you guys seen a movie watched uh, called Three Kings? <laughs> yes, actually, I have. As a matter of fact. <laughs> the uh, heck of a movie. Uh, have you guys talked about it in depth or anything? <laughs> Definitely not without you. We wouldn't do that. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Never. Can't remember which uh, brown guy was here. <laughs> That would be so rude hey, if we just replaced There's only so many of us. With the Rufin? There's only one of me. Got <laughs> 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 Rufin in now? <laughs> Motherfuck. Brandon, I'm not going to do this because I don't know if Antonio's here. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny listening back to it. And I knew it was coming and it was great. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, I've been watching Dragon Ball Super since it got added to Hulu. Um, I, uh, broke quarantine a couple weeks back and went and watched, um, The Honest Thief at, uh, Alamo Drafthouse, not a sponsor. Um, it's basically taken it. It's a Liam Neeson movie. You know what you're getting, you know what you're paying for. That's fine. Better or worse than taken, I guess. Uh, it's better than taken three. Okay. But not two or one. No, I thought one and two, I mean, one's obviously the best. I thought two was fine for what it, for the purpose it needed to serve. Nick, what'd you watch this week? Um, I watched all of the movies that Jennifer watched. A little island doubleheader. Thought that was interesting with uh, The Rock and Shutter Island. Mm-hmm. Um, Shutter Island, better than I remember it. Pick up on some things when you've watched it before. Uh, for obvious reasons. Um, and I'm stealing this from Brandon because I don't know if he said it in the last pod, 
but I know that he said it in our little chat. He has been watching the West Wing and I have been doing an inter- intermittent rewatch of the West Wing. A reliable source on a podcast that I will not name has told me that if I do a rewatch of the West Wing, I should not start with season one. And yet, and yet I did. I don't know if anyone here has watched the West Wing before. I don't know if anyone at home listening to this has watched the West Wing. But let me tell you that I've made it to the season one finale, and that is some powerful stuff. Man, when those when those shots ring out, you know, mm. reminded me of being uh, emotionally invested in television, which I don't think that I am anymore. Not since Entourage ended. <laughs> and yeah. the Great British Baking Show, Nicholas. I am emotionally involved in that goddamn baking show. Let me tell you. <laughs> Let me tell you. It's two weeks in a row now. This most recent season, it's all anger because all of these people fucking suck. But <laughs> I'm mad at all of them. I'm especially mad at this tiny little child boy that they've got who looks like he looks like a doll turned to life, basically. <laughs> oh, the really like kind of pale one with the red lips. Yes. His name is Peter. And he's probably he's probably going to win because he's been doing very well. But I just I just hate him and his bright and sunny disposition. It just makes me fucking sick. I was like, anyone who comes on the screen, he's like, yeah, I don't like that one. <laughs> well, I think there's like one person that's like, OK, suck. you hate that one girl just because she has long hair. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> You're baking. She doesn't like it's just in the way. Like, that's gross. Put your hair up. Yes. And then she like takes it down for like the cameras afterwards. I was like, girl, chill. <laughs> like, I know what she's doing. Like, I'd probably do it, too. So, like, <laughs> just stop. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I've, you know, I've been watching The West Wing kind of um, because of Brandon and, and partly because um, Netflix has just put me in a sorkin mood, I guess, with all their all their advertising. And I guess it must have put. Must have put this podcast in a sorkin mood. This is this is two out of three in the past past couple of episodes. Unfortunately, you know, this is this is not exactly the most timely episode. By the time this uh, gets to our dear listeners ears, it will be long gone and there will be no baseball whatsoever. But um, we had a non-themed week, so we thought we'd make a theme and, and do some sports movies. And we wound up choosing Moneyball. I feel like a lot of people watched this movie when it came out, but if you if you haven't seen Moneyball, my personal summary of this movie is that it is a 2011 movie about the Oakland A's 2002 season and their general manager, the guy guy running the team that season, Billy Bean, and all of the trials and tribulations that he encountered over that season. Antonio you nominated this movie, and I think before we get into why, I, I feel like you perhaps have an alternate summary of what happens in this movie. Nick, you do summaries so well sometimes. Don't fuck uh, it. just I, I feel like you, 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 miss, you missed the boat on this one, so so forgive me if I try to make this a little bit better. Um, and if it if it falls flat, then at Ryan, you can edit it because you're a great you're a great director. <laughs> Um, Moneyball is actually about the beginning of the end of baseball in America and the self-destruction of the sport, the decline of popularity and the destruction of the way the game should be played. 
there i fixed it beautiful <laughs> beautiful yeah what so then why the hell did you nominate it Antonio? so okay so i'm gonna i'm gonna preface this whole podcast by saying i'm going to take a massive shit on this movie however <laughs> this is my own i'm gonna take a page out of derek's you know playbook from gone girl this is my own personal opinion it's not the end-all be-all although it should be um and so anyone that disagrees with me is wrong um and i'm gonna steal a line right off the bat from i know amanda liked it ryan liked it nick liked it i'm gonna assume that jen liked it as well i had uh the world series is about to start and i saw that moneyball had been added to netflix and i was like well let's watch it you know why not let's just get in the mood for baseball I watched it, and then after game, I didn't give it two thoughts about nominating it. Whenever this week came up, then Game Four happened of the World Series. God, you talk about an all-time fucking great game, and that fucking line. How can you not get romantic about baseball? Just so hard. And I was like, man, we got to talk about Moneyball. <laughs> and then fucking Game Six happened. I like it. Um, I apologize in advance if this turns into a sports podcast that is three weeks too late. It's okay. I've decided to to do that later so that I can appropriately rein you in. So, so we'll get there, though. There, I, I am excited to give you the time that you need to cook. Um, for the rest of you guys, the non-Antonio portion of, of the audience or the group, what's, uh, you know, what's what's the first thing that you think of? When you hear the word Moneyball. Well, I guess I brought it up last week. If you know, we watched Moneyball randomly before we had even thought about this being a thing. And I think it's funny because Nick, I think you immediately you were like, Antonio hates that movie. And then the first thing he nominated this week was Moneyball. And I was like, he heard you. I know. You've played exactly into my hand. And I was like, was he actually <laughs> listening the whole time? Can you hear me talk about it? Um, so that's all I knew. It was baseball. It was numbers. It was Brad Pitt. It was Jonah Hill. If you had asked me about Moneyball and like who the team was and all that, I wouldn't have even been able to answer that. Amanda, does that sound accurate to your to your experience hearing the word Moneyball? Um, yeah. <laughs> I had no... Okay, so I've watched this movie a lot. And it's, for me, it's a really romantic, I hate to take the line again, but it's a really romantic movie. It makes you, it makes you feel things. I know it's not a love story, but before Moneyball, I had no idea. I, I had no clue about anything baseball related. I couldn't tell you who played where, what the names of the teams were. And this made, this movie made me like give a shit about baseball. Do you not bet on baseball? I do now. <laughs> kind of question is that do you know me i'll bet on anything what the fuck do i look like ryan did you did you initiate the Moneyball conversation last week i have a vague memory of it. wait you guys recorded last week <laughs> i mean fuck that wasn't you Antonio? <laughs> there was a hispanic man in the same box <laughs> i swear he's on our fantasy football league interchangeable I thought Jen brought it up. Yeah. Y'all need to be enlightened. Uh, Jennifer, you brought it up? Cause, oh, because we watched Moneyball? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because we were trying to find something to watch, and I was like, let's watch Moneyball. It was worth it. Yeah. All two hours. It just flies by, too. doesn't even feel like... 
there's a few parts. I just really like I I honestly it is my favorite sports movie of all time. Um and we'll get more into that a little bit later. But like I kind of like I kind of alluded to when I was talking about Little Big League, I feel like this movie's all about nerds are cooler than jocks because we're smarter and we can beat the game with numbers and using analytics to our advantage. Hey, that's cool. You can you can hit the ball 500 feet. Awesome. But let me tell you why you wouldn't be able to if X, Y, Z. That's what I love about the idea of analytics and the idea of Moneyball itself. So, And it's just a great Brad Pitt performance. Um, Nick, what about you? What, what is it about, spoiler alert, why do you have this movie as a four? <laughs> okay, I, I should, in the, in the vein of Antonio here, I'm going to be completely upfront at the beginning of this pod and say that um, I think I'm on the fence about this movie. I don't know. I I can be convinced either way here. I don't know that I'll go all the way down to a one because that seems disrespectful to a lot of people that (laughs) that are in this movie (laughs) and that made this movie happen. You know, as a (laughs) I don't want to be an asshole here as a as a really pure numbers guy. Let me tell you about why the book is way better than the movie. Because the book actually knows what the fuck happened um, and tells tells a more complete story to me, to me. Um, that being said, this is this is a great movie. You know, we we chose sports movie as a category to nominate stuff from. And I think that this is this is one of those interesting choices because it's, you know, it's like when we did it's like when we did the last um, Sorkin movie, right? When we did the American president on politics week, like. That's not a politics movie in this. Honestly, I know I get it. It's about baseball, but not really a sports movie. Question mark. It's like a numbers movie. And um, I'm a I'm a numbers guy. I love I love numbers. I love them. I was uh, I was excited. We watched it already, so it made it easy too. <laughs> like we'd watched it before this one, the nominations. So I, was, I was like, thank you, Antonio. I appreciate that. I don't have to don't have to watch another movie that I that I haven't seen in four years. For me, the the difficult part, you know, I know, I know, um, longtime listeners. Thank you to the hundreds, perhaps thousands of you out there. Um, Thanks, Peter. I normally the way that this is structured, we talk about topics. I guess we talk about genres. Um, it was a, it was a struggle for me to sort of pin down where this movie, what to talk about for this movie. To be honest, because it's it's a sports movie that's not really a sports movie um things happen in a sort of it's a it's a pretty conventional narrative to me as far as themes go i think um i think you've got maybe being romantic about baseball and being romantic about numbers as a as a very uh strong undercurrent in the movie but other than that things just sort of uh things just sort of play out right um hopefully if you're listening to this uh, either my summary of the movie or Antonio's summary of the plot movie have given you an idea of what happens in this movie. <laughs> um, I want to know from you guys um, what what really what really stood out to you about the movie. I guess what really sort of set it apart. So positive, positive first. I guess let's, let's do that. What makes it special and what I like most about this is it's not your typical sports movie. It's not your typical baseball movie. Moneyball is about the process and and about team building much more than 
guys, we're going to rally together. We're going to, you know, we're going to try our hardest and we're going to try and win the World Series. We're going to band together. They want to move our team to Miami or wherever, like in Major League. Or, you know, there's fucking angels out in the outfield that are trying to help us win, you know, that kind of deal. It's different. It's about how to build the team. So, um, Amanda and or Jen, are, are you guys big? Um, and I will preface this by I don't want to I don't want to seem like I'm calling you guys out. I am not a big sports movie person. Um, are, are you guys big sports movie people? This seems sexist. I know. That's why that's why <laughs> I said I'm not a big sports movie person. Um, but you guys, the way that you responded to talking about Moneyball, it seemed like you guys are not I at mean, least not baseball people baseball movie people i mean aside from a league of their own jen do you like <laughs> you know what honestly i don't even think i've really seen that because i can't i can't Be- because fuck tom hanks am i right <laughs> no i meant the women thing <laughs> <laughs> now if they were playing softball <laughs> very close to the same thing Antonio. we just got bigger balls <laughs> gross and the whole underhanded pitching thing you know that right like <laughs> I would like to see you hit a ball that I pitch at you. No, I like sports movies. I feel like there's not as many sports movies as there are other movies that I'd prefer to watch, but I'm not opposed. I think sports movies in general have like a, uh, how do I word it? Uh, I want to say stereotype, but that's not right. A target audience. A not even a target audience. Cause I feel like sports movies inherently, you kind of want to make them more comedic than than serious, right? Like Ryan, you you referenced Major League, you referenced Angels in the Outfield. Like those aren't exactly your dramatic movies. Like there's drama in them, but no, like those right. are those are comedies. Like you want to go watch a sports movie for a good time. Movies like The Longest Yard, you know, even A League of Their yeah. Own. Like like I mentioned, a lot of comedy in that. Yeah, there's a comedy, strong comedy portion. Yeah. Which I mean, to be fair, there's some comedy here. Just, just very briefly, there's there's some comedy. Yeah. Thanks, Aaron Sorkin. I'm going to contradict myself a little bit here already, and say that um, it doesn't necessarily feel like a typical sports movie in in the major ways, but it almost does in sort of like the structure of things, where it's like, oh man, we start out and he's not doing good. And then he sticks to his guns and then he turns things around and he experiences success. Like that's a very typical to me sports movie narrative. It's your standard underdog story. Right. One of the things that I didn't necessarily care for, I guess. I don't know about that. Is it really an underdog story? They portrayed it that way. There's rich teams and there's poor teams and then there's 50 levels of shit. And then there's the A's. So I think they're the underdogs. Honestly, for sports movies, there's only two ways it could go. The team you're rooting for either wins or loses. True. And you might be hoping the whole time, oh, they're going to win. And then like you're slightly disappointed when they lose. But like you have to know like it's one of those outcomes. There's no you can't really tie in any of these sports movies. That would be a terrible ending. One of the greatest sports movies of all time ends in a tie. What is it? Rocky. Oh, I don't I've never seen the Rocky movies. That's that's I mean, Jennifer, you're 100 percent right. It it doesn't leave a lot of room for nuance. You can't make like a new 
sports movie, but this one kind of did because it approached it differently. Right. It's it's about the it's about the process, which I think is a is is what you said earlier, Ryan. It's it's about the process. Um, it's hard to talk about the meat of this movie without talking about uh, this sh- <laughs> this shit that Antonio's going to talk. Um, Just get on into it. Okay. Wait, wait, hold on. I'm sorry. I, Antonio, what is the one thing you like about this movie? The nostalgia. Just, I grew up on the West Coast, so I knew what, that's what excited me initially when this movie came out, is that I knew the story of the A's because, you know, the A's and the Angels were, you know, rivals in the early 2000s. Right. Like it was, you know, us two and the Mariners kind of battling for the division for the early part of the decade. Like the real life footage of those, like I remember seeing that shit. Like I remember... Tejada having the back-to-back, you know, walk-off hits during that 20-game win streak. The the Hatterberg, you know, fist bump. Nostalgia can be a beautiful thing sometimes. Hell of a drug. And, you know, even even though they only, you know, had a three-and-a-half game lead after the 20-game win streak or whatever. But um, I'm sure you followed that season pretty closely, being that your team won the World Series that year. Oh, I, I didn't know. Damn, it feels like forever ago. Well, you know, when you have as many championships as the mighty New York Yankees in the last 20 years, it feels like we're more efficient with our playoff appearances, but it's a different conversation. We're going to talk about bad things, I guess, now. my my One of my strongest issues with this movie is that perhaps it was uh, seen through rose-colored and ultra-focused lenses, I guess. Because, uh, I mean, did Billy Bean really do that? Does he deserve all of the credit here? There's a lot that this movie doesn't this movie leaves out to people to people who know what happened in 2002. And I get that you have to construct a narrative around this thing, but it almost feels like um, it it makes it feel kind of fake to me. So here's the thing. And this is going to be my thing where, you know, Nick, you say that character development in heist movies doesn't matter yet. You have a problem with it in comedy movies and I don't. With histor- with things that I have knowledge of, things that are based on true events, um, especially that I'm very knowledgeable, like this bullshit, I'm going to be vi- like extra hard on it. And so that's going to impact my view of this movie and how positively or negatively I view it. But I'll, I'll let you guys go first because I don't want to. You can just say negatively, Antonio. You've already said that you don't like this movie. <laughs> We we know what you're, what you're but, but I don't want to take y'all's negative stuff. I see y'all have some good stuff. Oh yeah? I also want to contradict Amanda's stuff. Who's who's got negative stuff? I didn't read the book, obviously. I thought Moneyball the movie was a based on the book, whatever. So I was assuming the book is kind of like the movie and that just Billy Bean's just the most good looking general manager you've ever seen. Super smooth, just awesome. But I did follow baseball. In the early 2000s, and yes, they don't ever mention Miguel Tejada. They don't ever mention Barry Zito. They don't ever mention Ray Durham, really, at all, because he was a he was an important trade. He was the more important piece in that trade right. deadline scene. To answer your question, Nick, I understand Billy Bean gets a lot of credit, and you could say, oh, well, the players played really well. I mean, obviously they did. Miguel Tejada won the MVP that year. Did, did Barry Zito win the Cy Young that he year as well? 23-5 and five, won the Cy Young. Eric Chavez won the gold glove at third base. Like we're acting like this team couldn't feel the ball. Like, which I, you have to dramatize it for Hollywood. I get it, but he chose the ingredients he decided to cook with. So yeah, do I think he deserves a lot of credit? Yes, I do. Because aside from doing the analytical bullshit, you still have to evaluate talent. 
And I think he did a really good job of evaluating talent and getting them into the farm system and then moving them up. And, you know, ultimately you were going to have a good team at some point. Talk to me about softball. Jim. No, no, no. I'll get to that in a second. But all the guys previously mentioned, like they were already actively on the team playing well. They had made the playoffs the previous two years. They had, which which you see in the beginning of the well, okay. you see. Like Ryan said, like for Hollywood purposes, like obviously you have to like dramatize things. Mm-hmm. And obviously the whole Moneyball thing was like, all right, yeah, these guys are already working and we already have them. The movie was about acquiring. Well, because the central premise of the movie is we keep losing our best players. We're the farm system for the Yankees, the Red Sox, and everybody, and the, and the Cardinals. Let's be smarter. We can't pay these guys what they're technically worth on the, on the open market. So what do we have to do in order to still be competitive and fill those numbers and fill that void? That's the central premise of the movie. We have to think outside the box. We have to do something different. Also, even for 2002, that seemed like a lot of money for baseball players. I'm not going to tell you the numbers that are out there this year. Yeah. <laughs> what I would give I to only play an outfielder seven and a half million. Right. When they were like, Johnny Damon isn't worth seven and a half million. I was like, listen, in this economy? <laughs> <laughs> so much money. Jennifer, very, well, you know, I was going to say very briefly, but take as long as you want to. Talk to, talk to me about softball. It, was, it actually was so long ago, but I did play six seasons on multiple teams of softball. Went to the All-Stars one year. Played every position except for catcher and second base. Five-tool player. That's why I didn't make it. That's right. I couldn't commit to a position. The Billy Bean. You'd be thriving now. Of that youth softball, yeah. I do remember when I started, like, the very first time, like, I got on the field, like, I was just excited, and the coach at the time, I don't know who it was, was like, all right, go to left field, and I was like... My left or your left? (laughs) (laughs) I was like in fifth grade or something like that. And I was just like, I need you to be more specific. (laughs) (laughs) Cause that stage left, I don't know. (laughs) It was funny because I remember we were watching the 20 game streak. And I can't remember it's when he's in the car. No spoilers, I guess, of the movie, but whatever. But um and the score is like 11 to 0. And I remember we were playing a softball game one time and we were down 11 to 0. And I'm pretty sure this is a real memory, but I was pitching and we came back and won 22 to 11. Wow. You just shut that shit down. Yep. I mean, as the pitcher, did you give up the first 11? No, I was subbed in. Oh, okay. And then I had to go bowl a tournament afterwards. And I did not win that. Multi sport athlete pitch count was too high Bo Jackson Amanda I think has alluded to some of this and Jennifer you um, you talked about it in your responses here um, that it doesn't necessarily feel like a baseball movie I'm interested in what you what you would categorize this movie as then like what what is the central theme of of the movie if not um, baseball I guess I I personally feel like it is a portrayal of someone's personal life but on the on a smaller baseball level like it's a reflection of their personal life in a microcosm that is baseball okay so it's it's like the american president where it's like it's a story about a a man and who happens to be the president and this is this is a story about a man who happens to be the gm of right. the oakland athletics jennifer what about you 
I was going to say, I was just thinking about it. It kind of reminds me of the movie 21. It's a gambling movie, but not technically. It's about numbers and like kind of cheating the system. Okay. Not cheating, but like. Gaming the system. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's still got gambling in casinos. Like this still has baseball and like all that. The plot of it is about the numbers, statistics and like, like those are very similar, but completely different. I like that analogy a lot. I've never actually seen 21, but um, I can extrapolate. No, no, I kind of feel like it's a character study about being prepared to buck conformity because everyone was doing it a certain way and we're going to go in the opposite direction. Hmm. I can see that. I agree with that. I, I think there's more to it than that, but I that's definitely a main theme. Yeah, talk to me about analytics, Antonio. Fuck analytics. <laughs> Okay, so there it is. There, there, there's a place for analytics in the in in baseball. Like I, I'm not going to dispute that because lefty lefty that that's an analytical move. Like I, I I understand that the shift like that that's always happened. It's it's fine. The reason I hate this movie is what it stand what what it represents. Case in point, case study in real life. Fucking game six of this year's World Series where Blake Snell is fucking dealing and I'm going to lose Amanda and Jen and it's fine. I'm talking to Ryan and Nick right yeah, now. Yeah, you are. <laughs> uh, Explain it, Antonio. Antonio, you're a very knowledgeable guy about about baseball. Explain it in a way that people who don't watch baseball would know what you're talking about. <laughs> Go. Okay. So, Amanda, you're at the blackjack table and you win five hands in a row. <laughs> okay. And then your next hand... You have an 11. Mm-hmm. And the dealer's showing a six. So you double down. Exactly. Because that's the right move, right? Yes. I don't know that this analogy is going to work. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of lost where I was going. I don't, I don't think it does. I was trying to think of a scenario. Blackjack is also data in numbers. I don't know if you know that. It is, so yeah. you're just making so, a case for it. Yeah. <laughs> So you weren't there, but like there was a, a, a time in Vegas where Nick looked at me because I like and I was an idiot because the dealer was showing a five and I had 15 and I hit and I got 20. And like the dealer was like, you shouldn't hit because I'm showing five. He literally told you not to. He was so mad. Yeah. And I fucking won that hand because fuck him and fuck the numbers. I know what I'm feeling. Like if you're feeling good, you, you go. That's dumb luck. I think what the baseball community did, and I think, it, and I'll give you an example. I think the NBA did this as well. Is they and the NBA is fucking up too. They 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 took what was successful about this, which made sense. If he really if, like in the movie, he goes, "Why do I want this guy? What does he do?" He gets on base. He gets on base. Like the idea was, the more people you put into play, the more runs you would score, and so on and so forth. Right? What? other sports started to do was they saw the idea of analytics and they thought, well, if we just, if we just go up there and chunk a bunch of threes, yeah, we'll win that way. Like the Houston Rockets do. They use analytics as their excuse for everything to fit their narrative of what they wanted to do. And I think that's what this movie did was let's do it this way. And then we'll find the numbers to support our argument and we'll call it analytics. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. The movie itself brought analytics into the mainstream and people said well why don't we do this why how come my team's not doing that and now because of this movie post 2011 it seems like every time that you listen or watch a game they talk about their analytics department 
everyone has an analytics department. Before before 2002, I guarantee you not every single club out there, whether it's baseball, football, basketball, had an analytics department. I guarantee you pre-2011, maybe 60% of teams in any of the big four major sports had an analytics department. I guarantee you 2012 on, every team has an analytics department because this movie made it mainstream to care about numbers and the process because it would it, it would fit your outcome of it would ultimately help you reach the goal of what you wanted and i mean jonah hill's character in this is paul d podesta right right and so he's transcended across sports like he was the gm for the dodgers and now he doesn't he run like isn't he the president of like football operations for the browns now so how's that going for him five and two i mean they're scoring right get to the red zone Need guys right. that can get to the red zone. That's right. What do they do? They put points on the board. Get to the red zone. <laughs> God damn, Ryan. Sorry. Never listen to me. I just realized the Moneyball book only came out in 2003. Yeah. Je- Jennifer, do you mind letting us know what happened uh, or who won the 2002 World Series? Oh, you have God. that up. I do not. Oh, it's not Wait. important. It's okay. I can help you. The Angels won. Um, Angels didn't use any analytics that year. And then and then people started getting smart and they stopped winning World Series and now Antonio's mad. <laughs> you know what? The Mets deserve a win. No, I'm just kidding. I we talked about this, Jennifer. The Mets made the World Series like five years ago. <laughs> they don't deserve anything. Right. right. And so the Mets are like a perfect example of I don't criticize the way they lost that World Series when they ran Matt Harvey back out for the ninth. Mm-hmm. I know the numbers said not to do it. But that's your horse. Sure, he was coming off Tommy John surgery with an innings count. But fuck it. If you're going to lose, lose with your fucking best. And that's the thing that this movie is. This movie isn't responsible for it. But what this movie represents, the numbers have taken that opportunity away. I don't necessarily think, though, that this movie is trying to push analytics as the end all be all of how to build a team. Though. It's not, and like like I said at the beginning, this is like my own personal vendetta against. I can tell that community. <laughs> but it's got to be like a happy medium of the two, right? Because you got to have like the old school. You know when someone's got it, but you also need to have data behind your business decisions. And, and so that's my problem: is the pendulum has swung on the to the extreme end now of just analytics, and it's not just in baseball; it's in basketball as well. And what makes me happy is that the last two NBA champions have been teams that are like, let me take that mid range jumper while you miss four threes in a row. And I'm a hit, you know, four straight six, you know, 16 footers to Amanda's point. I know we've spent a lot of time here talking about analytics. Um, and probably actually to your point too, Antonio, which is, I think that this movie is honestly, strangely enough, even though it's based on a book that I, I put, um, I know Ryan had had mentioned earlier that this this movie is a catalyst and the book is a catalyst. I think that the book is more of a catalyst than the movie. I think the I think the book is and it's way more focused on statistics and it's way more data centric. And it's like, listen, if if people out there are not using data, then they're fucking up. Um, and there's no real there is a narrative and that's what makes it an interesting nonfiction book. But it's not it's not so focused on the narrative and about the person. 
in the way that the movie is. And to me, the interesting thing about this conversation that we've had, even though it's been focused on numbers and focused on baseball and all this stuff, is that I think that the movie, I agree with what I think some some people have said here, which is that the movie is almost, you know, for a movie that has sparked an analytical revolution, it's almost not really that concerned about that stuff. It's more concerned about the people and people interacting with each other. I think if you like this movie, then you like the people and performances that are in it. And you like the way that they interact with each other. Most importantly, you probably like Brad Pitt. Lord knows I do. I have very briefly. Say something bad about Brad Pitt, I dare you. Um, <laughs> George Clooney last week, Brad Pitt this week. This is my fucking heaven. I don't know how I managed to make this happen, but... Y'all talked about George Clooney last week? Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Did y'all talk about Ocean's 12 last week? I hate you guys. No, you would not get out of that. Um, uh, perhaps I haven't been on record, but I am I am strongly pro Brad Pitt. And more importantly, I am strongly pro Brad Pitt in movies in which he is constantly eating or drinking, which is, spoiler alert, every single modern Brad Pitt movie in the past 20 years. So um, I'm a fan of this performance. I I believe someone on this podcast has mentioned that Brad Pitt is not a leading actor. Who said that? I remember Ryan saying that. No, I said he's a character actor in a leading man's body. Oh. I think he's a I think he's I think he's a leading actor here. Oh, most definitely. Can I just say I think Ryan meant he is I know what he meant. It's okay. He wants to be a character actor. Agreed with him, I think. I think he's willing to take on those roles that a character actor would want to take on, but he just happens to be so fucking good looking and so good at what he does that they won't let him take those small roles. Like look at like look at his role like in Twelve Years a Slave, very minor, and he stuck out like a sore thumb because you're like that's Brad Pitt, and you're in for like two minutes of the movie. So anytime you do try to take a role on like that, it winds up just sticking out. Damn him for being too good looking. <laughs> Darn these good I'd, looks. I'm doomed. If I had a dollar. He's had such a rough life. So so to you, Ryan, this performance where he is um, very much standing out, I think. Like you said, um, Billy Bean is must be the most like attractive baseball general manager that's ever lived. He walks into a room and his dick's already been in there for two minutes. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? College Nick can relate to that, right? What does that mean? <laughs> My guy. What does that mean? I don't know. Like Billy Bean's Wikipedia photo, he looks more like Billy Bob Thornton than Brock. I was wow, just going to say ass. that. Get his but ass. If, if they were playing a later version of him, it would definitely be Billy Bob. He must have been thrilled when Brad Pitt got casted. We're all Brad Pitt fans. We all think he's awesome. Do we? Most of us. Do we all think he's awesome? Four out of five. I wonder who the fifth one could be. Antonio, tell me what you think about Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt overall, and then Brad Pitt in this, in as Billy Bean in this movie. Brad Pitt overall is awesome. I'll go out of my way to watch most Brad Pitt movies. This is not Brad Pitt's fault, I don't think. I think this had to do with the way the story and the script was written. The outline Nick has his Tobey Maguire award. <gasps> And I said Brad Pitt, and I got a lot of pushback on that. Here's my argument for it. 
scout room scenes great. Uh, his the trade deadline scene great. That automatically disqualifies it, him for the Tobey Maguire. But go ahead. Maybe it's not Brad Pitt. Maybe it's just the scenes in general. The family scenes do, do nothing for me. They serve no purpose. There was no chemistry with him as a father with a daughter. They didn't advance the story at all. Like, he, he seemed to have a decent relationship with his ex-wife. He seems to have a good relationship with his daughter. Like, there's no resentment there. So what purpose did those scenes serve? They didn't advance any storyline. I understood this, the flashback scenes where he's getting drafted and everything. Like, the, those serve a purpose to where what his narrative is now. And, you know, why he's pushing, go in this direction in uh, player development and analysis. So I kind of accepted Jen's, I think it was Jen that nominated the daughter. Like, there's just no, no purpose for that. Like, it's a waste of time. Like, you could have used that time to explore Barry Zito or <laughs> Billy Koch. I don't know. Shows like the family side, the softer side, like it shows... Like as much as he was doing with baseball and all this stuff, it's like he's also human and a dad. And yeah, I mean, it's part of his character development, right? What development? What development? Yeah, I mean, Antonio Antonio said that there there's it doesn't contribute anything because nothing really, like nothing advances over that plot line. The closest thing that comes to it is when he's sitting with with Jonah, and is just like, you know, you have a degree, economics degree from Yale. I have a high school diploma. If this doesn't work, then I get fired. I have a high school diploma and I have a daughter that I'd like to put through college. Based on what we've seen earlier, it seems like the guy that's playing the stepdad role, you already got her a cell phone, has a nice ass house, probably is going to contribute financially to putting that girl through college. I don't think he's going to have to worry about that. Like That's a little emasculating, isn't it? Brad Pitt's a modern man. He doesn't care. So Ryan, as Ryan and I were watching this movie, there's one scene where Brad Pitt takes his hand and puts it up on his, he like rests his face in his hand. And I noticed that he's still wearing his wedding ring. So Ryan and I had this discussion about why would that scene be so important? And why would that be a key detail? Because it's literally just his face in his hand in this, in this scene. It shows that he's sentimental he goes through this back and forth through this entire movie of like wanting to stick to the numbers, wanting to stick to the numbers, but he's still sentimental and romantic about baseball. And he's trying to, he's trying to fight with these two sides of who he wants to be. Like he ultimately he turned down twelve and a half million dollars because his daughter was scared. He was that he was going to move. He sat there and watched her sing a song about how she's caught in the middle which I assume is about her parents and their situation. I think that he seems very focused on the mistakes that he has made in life. Yes. From a baseball perspective, I think being drafted and not going to college, choosing to go to the Mets, you know, where careers go to die instead of going to Stanford and waiting it out. I think that's obviously something that played a large role in the way that he, you know, saw things, at least in in the timeline of this movie. And I would imagine that the failure of his marriage, um, especially when you have a kid, is something that weighs on him heavily. And I think that that probably informs the decisions that he makes. 
And I think that he just continues to fuck up. Like, I get where Antonio is coming from in the sense that the Billy Bean character is not really done that well here. I don't I don't I don't the 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 narrative construct that they've made for this movie doesn't sit right with me. I look at someone like Billy Bean and I based upon the character in which Brad Pitt plays as Billy Bean in this as someone who's extremely like Amanda said sentimental, but also in a way superstitious and lacks the confidence in their decision making. For instance, turned away Stanford to go pro that didn't work out and then worked his way up probably fell so far into his work that his marriage dissolved didn't probably see the kid all that much while baseball has made him who he is baseball has essentially kind of ruined his life I think the idea the central idea of this character was this character for once was going to make a decision and stick to it hence we're going to focus this way in doing baseball differently we're going to run this team different than all the other teams and I'm going to stick to it I want to stick to this process because every I feel like I've made the wrong decision in every other time. And this is how I want to run this team. And this is how we're going to do it. You know, one thing that stuck out, yes, the wedding ring. But aside from that is there's a really cool scene, I think, too, that he makes it a point that his daughter always comes first during the win streak. I think he's at the, at the airport to pick her up. He's watching the game and all of a sudden he hears dad. And what I found unique was he turned around, he looked at her, he hugged her, and they immediately walked out. And I thought, well, if I'm that invested into a game, I would say, oh, hi, honey. Uh, oh, let's just wait. Uh, let's watch this for just a second. Right? Th- that makes the most sense. But I think they make that choice right there to say he's going to trust his process. I'm not, I'm not going to worry about what's going on in the screen because I have a system in place. My daughter's more important right now. Family's more important. And that's what I'm going to focus on. And I think gonna- that... Go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead, finish your point. Once again, that the lack of confidence in decision-making because the decision I made in how successful we were this year, the character, whether this is inaccurate historically or not, my way worked. And now I've got, at the time, the second most popular franchise asking me to be their general manager. What if I leave and I fail? And so I want to stay here. I want to see this through here. And then what happens? It winds up being the wrong decision because two years later, who wins the World Series? And so I think that's the one part about the depth of this character. It's it's a very tragic character in that way. What sells it is the confidence that a Brad Pitt gives, but then you see the depth of regret. I think he gives that off extremely well. Is it the wrong choice, though, if he chose his daughter over working for the Red Sox? I never really got the sense that that was the dichotomy here. I mean, I I get it. I understand that it's a powerful thing where he listens to that song. It's not just the song, though. Like, he's listening to her as he's driving to... Where is he going? To the airport? At the end of the scene? Or at the end of the movie? It's That's his his anchor in this entire thing, is whatever is going to be best for her is what he's going to do. I don't necessarily think that she's going to have that different of a life if he's in Boston, to be perfectly honest. She's already having to take a plane to see him. Right. She's already so, taking a plane. Yeah. They can't even live in the not same. like she's in the Bay Area. And then, Ryan, I'm going to push back on your whole uh, on your interpretation a little bit. OK. Um, just based on, you know, the moment he sees her coming off the plane, he takes his focus off the game. The whole movie, the narrative is he doesn't watch the games. So I, I, I don't think that has anything to do with with him putting that shit aside. 
because yeah. he trusts the process. Like that's just his own superstitious, which again, that. Yeah. I, and I failed to mention that. I, I think that plays another part into the superstition part that I said is he feels that if he watches the game, that something bad's going to happen. Hence they're up 11 and nothing. Okay, fine. Fuck it. I'll, let me go watch the game, go back. And what happens? They give up 11 unanswered. Right. And there's this feeling of every decision I make is the wrong decision. I felt no, I mean, more emotionally attached to Brad Pitt at that point. This is a tragedy, right? I mean, even I, I have a problem with him getting to the what I said here in um, a little bit earlier was that I have a problem with him being portrayed as the savior and taking uh, the lion's share of the credit for what happens as far as their success goes. But ultimately, you know, as they said, if you lose the last game, that's the only thing that matters. And they lost the last game. And they never won. They never won the last game while Billy Bean was there. He is not. He is ultimately not a success in in the context of of the way that this has been, you know, laid out. Any or other organization fires him. Twenty years as GM, one playoff series victory over the Twins, which doesn't really count because it's the Twins. You don't get. You don't get the prize. This is Daryl Morey. This is Sam Hinkie. You don't get the prize for being the revolutionary. Because most of the time that doesn't ultimately lead in or wind up in the ultimate success. You know, it's very hard to be the person who wins it all at the end. You know, Ryan, I I get what you're saying. I I think that there's a there's a depth of character here in the sense that he is he's a fucking loser. And I think it's very interesting that they've got that's one of the reasons why I love Brad Pitt in this role is that Brad Pitt, consummate cool guy. You know, it's interesting to see him play this role as someone who is. who maybe gets the hero edit here, but is ultimately a fucking loser. I don't know. I kind of, I kind of think though, this is the first time I ever, I've ever thought this in all the times I've watched this movie. I kind of think that maybe Jonah Hill doesn't get as much credit as he should for this role. He's really good in this. Jonah Hill is really, really good in everything. Not everything. It's newer things. What is he not good in? I don't know. I guess I just appreciate him more in his more serious roles than I do in his comedy roles. And I'm not saying he's not mm. funny because he's definitely funny. But since he's shifted into his more serious roles, I don't think he's had a miss. Um, let me look up Jonah Hill's <laughs> filmography. Um, Let's just read it. There's a lot. Nothing's bad. Ryan, that's your cue. He was kind of a dickhead and this is the end. Yeah, but it's great. <laughs> Sick reference, bro. Everybody knows your references are out of control. I fucking say that all the time. I can see Brad Pitt getting passed over for the Oscar because of who was nominated. But if you look at the best supporting actor nominees, I kind of think Jonah Hill kind of got the shaft. If you look at the rest of the nominees, it's like, uh. um, I think Brad Pitt should have won and I think maybe... Maybe Jonah Hill should have won, but I like this in Wolf of Wall Street as like two two sides of the same coin where he he works as a a hype guy and foil for the main person. And they're they're obviously two way different energies. Um but I think that I think that that's the the like the the Robin to someone's Batman is really good for Jonah Hill or at least um you know, I don't want to relegate him to that, but he's he's fucking killed it whenever he's done it. Mm-hmm. 
And he sprinkles in just enough like Jonah Hill, like comedy. Like he still kind of stays true to, I guess, I don't know him personally, so I don't know what he's really like, but I feel like there's still Jonah Hill in this character. He was very um, insecure. I mean, he still is, but early in his career, he was very insecure. And you can see that in this, in this role, not in, insecure in his acting, but just he plays that like, I kind of feel like I have imposter syndrome or that I don't fit, I don't fit in, in this room. And mm. he plays that uncomfortable. Like, I feel like everyone's looking at me. I did. I did 48. Actually, I did 51. I don't know why I lied just then. <laughs> but And just like subtle comedy there. Like, sure. I know one of your guys, Nick and Amanda that y'all share is also in this movie. In this movie. Mm-hmm. Yes. I have I have mentioned the mentioned him before. Oh, right. He's a little overrated. <gasps> Shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> Sell me on Chris Pratt. Oh no, that's not my guy. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Good grief. <laughs> the lesser Chris. Uh, the worst Chris, right? Not my Chris. According to the, the least, internet, the least Chris. What did you think when you saw your Chris, Jennifer? Chris Pine was in this. Yeah, I was like, oh, never mind. Goddamn, that, that's that, that, that is her Chris or little Chris. I mean, ludicrous. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Pratt, no, I think actually when we were watching it the first time, Nick was like, oh, yeah, your your boy's coming up or something like that. And I was like, what? And I didn't even recognize him at first because it was so long ago and his hand was like covering his face and I couldn't really see. And then like he moved and I was like, oh, Chris Pratt. Little baby Chris Pratt. Yeah. And then a couple days ago he came out, he was the worst Chris. So, Yikes. He looked like a baseball player though. Yeah, he like did. He looked like he would play baseball. Short, stocky, white guy. Yeah, like he looks like he'd play baseball like not the best. So like it also made sense. He ran very flat-footed to first when he was taking grounders. When they were taking grounders and they were throwing to first, I, that was the one thing I noticed. I was like, God, he looks so flat-footed running to the base. It just It looked awkward. But I don't know if that was in, that was probably intentional, but... Not everyone can run on camera well. We can't all be Tom Cruise. I'm God, just saying. <laughs> just saying. Shut up about Tom Cruise. No one in a movie runs like Tom Cruise. I don't know that I have much to say about Chris Pratt other than the fact that that one scene with him and David Justice. Goddamn. Oh, damn. That's literally what you said, huh? I know. That's why I said, Goddamn. Did you just read it right off the outline? Oh, damn. <laughs> that's wild. I don't have anything to say about Chris Pratt, but I think Amanda does. This is his first serious role? Question mark? As far as movies go? He was in Jennifer's Body, right? That's not a serious movie role. Shouts to Diablo was- Cody. We don't, we don't. Chris Pratt was? We don't count rom-coms and we don't count horror movies as first big breaks. It's the scene where they're in their they're eating or he's David just is eating oatmeal and asking him what his big fear is, biggest fear oh, is. Okay, yeah, I remember that. He says a ball being hit in my general general direction and then David Justice laughs and he's like what 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 is it actually and he's like no that's that's it. <laughs> Chris Pratt does such a good job with that. Yeah, he just like he's awkward and one nitpick in that scene with Chris Pratt and David Justice. Who eats cereal out of that shallow of a bowl? That's oatmeal. That was not oatmeal. That was cereal. One of them was oh. eating oatmeal and the other one was eating cereal, right? No, he was eating ramen and oh. David Justice was eating cereal. Oh. I just 
that was like a little, it was like a saucer. It wasn't even like a plate. Maybe they only had the little tiny boxes, you know, the little tiny. Ooh, perhaps. Things, you know. I just looked at it again, and that is a very shallow bowl. <laughs> it's like a. But he like... didn't put too much cereal in it. <laughs> just enough for him to spoon in his mouth as he tells him good luck with that as he walks away. Yeah. That was good. <laughs> that was so natural. I also really like Stephen Bishop's scene with Brad Pitt at the batting cage. Come to come to Jesus moment. Yeah. It's refreshing to see a sports movie where you actually implement a former athlete into the movie versus trying to teach an actor how to be an athlete. Because you can definitely tell the way Chris Pratt fields grounders, he's the way he was scooping the ball at first base. That's you. He's never done that before. But in the batting cage, when you see Stephen Bishop hit, that dude has swing. That's pretty. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, we got. I don't know. He was just like annoyingly stubborn the whole time. It's like clearly everything he was doing as like the head coach or whatever like was not working. Okay, so but in his defense, he'd been doing the job for a long time, right? Not successfully. They did, they made what, it to the playoffs the year before. What one hundred and three games, just as many. Okay, and Antonio, are you an A's fan now? But what I'm saying is if he had been doing this for a long time and then suddenly Brad Pitt comes in or Billy Bean comes in and is just like, I'm suddenly changing everything. I'm not going to explain any of it to you. I'm going to start telling you how to do your job that you've been doing for years and I'm not going to loop you in on it. I'd be I'd be kind of pissed, too. The not being looped in, I agree with. I'd be like, what the fuck are we doing here? Just like Art said, (laughs) what are we doing here? All the guys at that table, everyone who kept like yelling and arguing with him. You want to make a big decision like that? Tell people that are tr- going to execute those decisions. Why? I mean, but he kind of did. He said, "This is, this is Pete. This is what we're looking for. Here's the guys we're looking at." And they were like, "No, no, no. They're not talented." And it's like, look at the numbers. No, no, no. We got you, Miguel Tejada, Barry Zito, <laughs> all these people. You'll listen to us. I'm just saying I get both sides of it, right? To, to be fair, he is the actual hero of the movie. He did say, Scotty H, grab a bat. Yeah. When he finally listened? He bought into Well, he didn't system. start him. It was a rest day. Ooh. Uh, is this a Tokyo Like, oh, the last minute. <laughs> he says, yes, go. And that no. saves the whole thing. The character of Art Howe never bought into the system, whereas like the actual real Art Howe he, be- he believed that there was a place for analytics, but it wasn't necessarily, he wasn't as stubborn as the portrayal is in this movie. I was like, there wasn't that many conversations. Like, Philip Seymour Hoffman didn't have too much to do really on screen. Um, I wish this movie was directed by somebody else. I think a better director would have been like, you know, let's let, let's let Philip Seymour Hoffman, who is a fucking genius, cook. I mean, this is this is late stage. Like Philip Seymour Hoffman is into his shit. The next year, he did The Master. Like right. he's he's established. Like we know what he can do. Let the man is at his apex. Let the man do it. You um, know who should have played Art Howe? Ed who? Harris. Ed Harris would have been interesting. That would have been. Well, I'm just trying to get people that look almost just like their characters. <laughs> but see, I, you know what? I agree with you, Jen. I think Ed Harris would have played a. It with this director, I agree. I think yes. he would have played a better. He was so good in The Rock. He didn't have to drive that movie, 
He just had to have his presence be known, and that's what she needed to have with Art Howe. He looks more stubborn and like kind of like a dick and like putting his foot down than Philip Seymour Hoffman did in this movie. I wouldn't be surprised if this was his attempt to, oh, Aaron Sorkin's writing this movie. Let me be in an Aaron Sorkin movie and then it not being at all what he thought it was going to be. If that makes any sense. What about Woody Harrelson as Art Howe? That would have been pretty good. I'm just I'm thinking of like the bald area. Uh, anybody, Anybody else in the in the movie? that you guys want to talk about any other small roles? I honestly didn't know it was Robin Wright until you pointed it out. Yeah. Shouts to shouts to Robin Wright. And my, 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 my guy, my director guy, not my, not my acting guy, but an actor here, I guess. Um, you can't call him guy your guy sp- here because he's not directing. <laughs> Listen, I, I think he directed, um, if, if interior design is a form of directing, then I think he deserves credit for what he did with that fucking house. Because let me tell you, God, is this two Spike Jones movies back to back? It is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Two very different characters. <laughs> Wait, y'all did a Spike Jones movie last week? <laughs> <laughs> the thing that I love about that, um, and it plays into the whole Billy Bean's a fucking loser. I love just the like the the flex of all flexes to sit there in your fucking casual ass clothing with your sandals on and just like your sandals right and just like cross your legs and be like so how's the team shaping up this year like you're (laughs) earnest about it but it just it like it very clearly doesn't matter like you're so patronizing that's great that's great billy we're really happy for you yes we're so we're so happy for you (laughs) that's what i'm saying it's a mass so imagine okay that scene and you guys are talking about him billy being shouldn't worry about having to pay for his daughter's college. He's just going to let some other dude pay for his daughter's college and just emasculate him even more. I listen, uh, I'm sure my he thing of- Oh, he he absolutely did. I mean in in comparison, maybe not. Um, but from a he, pride he, standpoint, he didn't have Spike Jones's. I mean, then from a pride standpoint, take the fucking Boston job. Like <laughs> if you're if you're concerned, the only way to be be the only way to better be to be better than spike jones is to take that fucking boston job or have somebody make a movie about you i guess or jokes on me or be present and help raise his daughter instead of no gross jones raise his daughter gross amanda no you're not gonna raise your daughter better than spike jones look at him (laughs) (laughs) look at him look at how look at how calm and cool and collected can you imagine the the guy that he is (laughs) In a movie with Brad Pitt, Spike Jones in this movie is the coolest motherfucker here, which is incredible. <laughs> How did this happen? The deleted scene is he comes back to pick up the daughter and Spike Jones goes, so how'd the meeting go? You going to take it? You really should. We'll right. take good care of her. <laughs> you know she's going to be in great hands, Billy. He doesn't have to say that, though. That's the thing, is that really, realistically, he'd just be like, you know what? You should definitely take it. I'm really excited for this opportunity in your life. And he, and then Brad Pitt just has to sit there, and he's like, well, fuck, now I can't take it, really, because then it's going to be like, I did it because he wants me to do it. <laughs> fuck. God damn it. Why is he so nice all the time? It's Logan Lucky, but with more money. Yes. <laughs> and, on the ro- and on the other coast. The kids sing about the same. <laughs> the kids singing is about the same, yeah. D- 
does this make your to to draw on something that was in a podcast that won't be named does this make your top five sorkin properties i know it's i know it, it feels big for you guys top three no it's outside the top five for me are you serious wow because you've got a few good men american mm-hmm. president west wing molly's game West Wing's a television series. Though. No, I'm counting that. I'm counting, okay, counting okay. TVs. Yeah. Okay. I guess if you just count movies, it's like you're leaving one out, right? For a I mean, I, I have two TV shows in my top five. but Sports Night? Yeah, buddy. I was kidding about the Molly's game. I think it's right there on... I think it's either five or six. I, w- I was totally joking about the Molly's game. I just wanted to see Amanda agree and then there'd be shit on her, but no one did that. Um, I didn't agree. I know, I know she she didn't take the bait. No, she didn't. No, I think it's if it's top five, it's borderline five, six. Be, and I'm not just talking about like how good it is. I'm talking about as a whole and how it affected like the like whether you whether you agree with the politics of the West Wing. The West Wing revolutionized TV in the 90s. Mm-hmm. So you, that has to count. Sports Night was just unappreciated ahead of its time. Ahead of its time, it just it never got its due. And then up to me, A Few Good Men will always be that sentimental. I love more than anything. So that's three. And then I guess you're right there. Probably Moneyball. I mean, the social network. I was like, are you going to forget social network? No, I mean, so it has to be It has to be right there at five, maybe six. Okay. What I love about Aaron Sorkin's writing is it can translate into several different genres. It's not just, he's not just great politically. He's not just great when it comes to witty um fast talking lines like in social network it also translates into sports sports night moneyball i mean it just works i think that's fair i mean i'm trying to think in the pantheon of scenes like i i don't know i'm sorry i'm looking i was reading the part about our favorite scenes i was just trying to think like okay well scene wise like what does does moneyball have any scenes that would be in the top five like aaron sorkin written scenes i think it might yeah, I mean, that's the thing is that to me, Sorkin, obviously, some of his I mean, you know, the West Wing is just like heat after heat. And he did it for 22 episodes um, a year, which is incredible to me. And, and it's like consistency. But I think most of the time what I what I, what stands out to me when I watch Sorkin stuff, or at least in, in almost every instance of a, of a Sorkin written or directed um entity there is or or piece of a uh, sorkin work um there's always like a standout scene or there there are quotes that, that that just like little pearls right that you can easily identify um which is kind of, which is you know like you're saying why i wanted to bring it up um what what to you is the one that deserves to be in the the pantheon of sorkin sorkin's best there's there's two scenes that really to me stick out it's the second and I'm just going to talk about one of them. It's the second scene when he's with all the scouts, when he's got Peter in there with him, when he's got Jonah Hill in there. And he's basically just telling them, no, we're not going to do it your way. We're going to, we're not going to do it the way it's been done forever and ever and ever. We're going to do it this way. That scene, just every time, if it's on, I'm going to watch it. Adapt or die. Um, I like the, the, Fenway press box scene with John Henry. It's got lots of nuggets of wisdom. And it's kind of the culmination and the apex of the of what he's learning throughout this movie, right? 
I mean, considering how the movie turns out and the fact that they don't, the baseball on the field and how it turns out and they don't win, I think this is this is the validation, right, of the whole of the whole concept of what he's going for is um, is the fucking owner of the Red Sox flying him out and being like, "Listen, man, you're you're it. You're so smart, Billy Bean. God damn you! Yeah, I want you." I need you. There's a certain there's a certain line he says. He goes, "It's the threat of not just it." He goes, "It's the threat of not just the way of doing business, but in their minds, it's threatening the game." And I think that's what relates to like me and my situation, where sometimes when I bring up something that's completely off the wall at work, and I'm sure I'm I'm sure we've all had that where we've where we've thought outside the box and thought this could be, you know, effective. This could make us better. This this could change how we do things. And so that quote kind of always sticks to me where it's it's not it's the threat of not just the way of doing business, but in their mind, it's threatening in this case, instead of the game, it's the industry in which you work in. You're threatening their way of life, the way they've always done it. And that's the other reason why I love that scene with the Amanda does. Yeah, it makes people scared. And fun fact, Amanda and I sat in the same two seats that that scene took place in when 2015 when we went to Fenway. I made sure of it. Remember? Mm hmm. Amanda's like, why do you want to sit there? I'm like, this is where Brad Pitt sat. That's not how that conversation went at all, but okay. Because the nice lady that, that runs the Fenway tour told us where he sat. You really think I'd go to that tour and not know? I'm just saying. <laughs> Way to so, Billy Bean this shit and take all the credit for yourself. God. Jennifer, talk to me about your favorite scene. Mm. I will say a really fun one that really was mostly just Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill was when they were doing the trade in the office. And like, he was like, wait, get so-and-so on the phone. And like, it was just like the back and forth, like where they're getting Rincon. Yeah. I thought that one was good. Yeah. A lot of good energy. That's how I imagine fantasy football trades happening. We have a lot of quotes here. And I think if we just start reading off all these quotes, we're basically going to recite this whole movie. I feel like some have already been said. Yeah, I've said I've said two of my most important ones, so I'm good. Um, Antonio, would you rather get a bullet to the head or five to the chest to bleed? Are those my only two options? That's a that's a smart response from Jonah. The ti- the timing of that response too was perfect. Two that I have, it's like my fantasy football mantra, which is I hate losing more than I want to win because that's true. Um, and I and I do I I do like that quote uh, I think the thing we should be asking is do we believe in this thing or not when they're about to go like all in whole all in. Yeah. yep those are mine if we try to play like the Yankees in here we're going to lose to the Yankees out there and then the first guy through the wall always gets bloody always it's a good one yeah I like the Yankees one because the, the whole like you can imitate somebody for so long but you can't like you're not going to succeed that way Red Sox and Dodgers did. And I don't I can't find the quote, but it was basically like, hey, this shit works over a season, but when you need one at bat and you need your best player to go up there, the analytics shit just goes out the window. And I was like, Oh, I think that was Joe Morgan, wasn't it? it? Was, was that Joe Morgan? Morgan? Yeah. Oh, okay. RIP. I, th- I thought it was yeah, RIP. I I thought it was kind of weird to to throw that in there, but at the same time I, I found it very cool that it balanced it out. Because at the end of the movie, you're probably thinking if you're someone who doesn't watch a lot of baseball, you're wondering, 
why doesn't everybody just do this? Or why, why this thing has to be foolproof. And it's like, well, actually this will work over a season. But at the end of the day, the variable is still there. Can I squeeze in my, my missed uh, opportunities here real quick? Please do. Okay. So obviously we, we, Ryan, you and I, I feel like we have mentioned Barry Zito. Like that's an interesting ass dude. I think what made this movie, uh, Eric Burns, another funny dude that I think would have made the movie interesting. Ron Washington did fucking cocaine. We can't we can't get Wash doing some cocaine while he's teaching you know how to break how to you know play first base. Yes, that's when he did it. Yeah, and then also Nick, you were talking about how you know Billy Bean went to the Mets where careers go to die. He was at the Mets in '85, telling me he didn't do some cocaine with Daryl Strawberry and fucking Doc Gooden. This movie could have used I more mean, cocaine. <laughs> this movie just like all movies Orson, it's not a coincidence that Wolf of Wall Street is a better movie just saying I liked Ron Washington in this movie actually it was way. good very briefly yeah he was good it's incredibly hard <laughs> it's, it is incredible the timing on that again there's nothing um, that Aaron Sorkin does better than uh, timing very important timing is everything comedy drama I think it's pretty obvious that I'm going to give it a four, right? And give me your, okay, do your do your rating and what your recommendation is so we can. I don't have a recommendation. My rating okay. is a four. <laughs> my recommendation is watch this movie again yeah. once you've watched it the first time. My, my unsolicited recommendation is Moneyball. <laughs> <laughs> and I've rewatched it, so it's a four. <laughs> I'm sure the analytics say that this movie is a three or a four, but they're wrong. Numbers the don't human lie. Element does exist. Well, tell that to Blake Snell. Um, <laughs> Poor son. This movie is a one. I've already said <laughs> that I'm very biased against what this movie stands for. And let's be real, this movie is actually really boring. Like, <gasps> there's not a lot of fucking shit that happens. Like the 20 game win streak is like the most dramatic part, but it's not even like that good. And then the fact that they leave out the most interesting people on this team, like, don't even address them. Don't, don't talk about the fact that they had probably the best starting three since like Maddox, Smoltz, and Glavin. Like, it, it's not even a footnote. That's like the frustrating part. Even make it a footnote, and this movie is fucking good. But no, like, there's nothing good about this movie. Uh, it's a fucking one. If you want to see a better movie where maybe the, the premise of the, where it's a baseball movie, but the focus isn't on baseball, watch Trouble with the Curve. Trouble with the Curve is a fucking good ass movie. Thank you, Antonio. My guy, the 20 game win streak is a montage and you and I both know how great montages are. That wasn't a good montage. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Is Trouble with the Curve the Justin Timberlake movie? Yes. Yes. Justin Timberlake, underrated actor. He's a fantastic actor. I feel he's underrated. Listen, Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt isn't cool. You know who's cool? Justin Timberlake. Jen. Uh it's a three. It's good. I wouldn't go like out of my way, like just talking about this every day to people. But if someone was like, Oh, should I watch Moneyball? Like, yeah, it's a great movie. It is a little long. It is a little it's not everyone's taste. It's not so much of a like a sports action movie. So some people might lose interest. But I thought it was good. It's earned a three. You got a recommendation, Jennifer? I got a couple. Well, I already said fever pitch. 
You want to watch a movie about a better baseball team? Gross. The Boston Red Sox. You're a Mets fan. You can't say the Red Sox are a better team. Um, but more so along the lines of a team made up of people who are underdogs, essentially. A little movie called Benchwarmers. Oh, I thought you were going to recommend Bad News Bears. I thought she was going there too. <laughs> that was um, on my list. I With Billy Bob Thornton, a.k.a. <laughs> Billy Bean. No, Benchwarmers is just funny. Plus, I like little kid baseball movies. Because <laughs> they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> most of the time. And also, most of them are usually like little assholes. Are you sure you're not talking about Bad News Bears? <laughs> That's a good one too. I I'm actually thought kidding. about it. Right. <laughs> I liked it. Okay, it's time, Nick. I'm. I want. I really want you to listen and take in. I'm trying to. I'm trying to sell you here on why this movie is a four because it is okay. a four. Okay. Let me. Let me. I'm ready. Let me. Just let me move this out of the way so that I can look at you and only not, you, Ryan. Not gonna give it. <laughs> Ultimately, Moneyball succeeds. As a movie because of strong acting, likable characters, Sorkin dialogue, which is important. It's witty. Within all that is a story of innovation. And it's about being the person who doesn't conform to the norms. And it's about the first one that gets through the wall, basically, like they said. Like John Henry said. Okay, I don't... don't, you got me nervous and everyone starts fucking staring right at me. So I'm like, <laughs> I have the screen up. I'm just like, well, fuck everybody. Like, I don't have anything to say really. This movie's okay. This movie's a four because of all those reasons. Like it's one of those things that just, it, it's a movie that it's not only if you give it an unsolicited recommendation, not only because it's a good movie, it's got Brad Pitt in it. It's one of those movies that you can apply to just something outside of sports. And I think that's what makes it special. And I think this movie kind of encapsulates that, that we, we're not going to be physically better than you. We just have to be smarter than you. And it's just something that I kind of related to. And that's why it's a four for me. This is interesting. Uh, you know, I, I think I will cop to this. I think that over the course of this podcast's history, I think that I have rated movies sometimes in ways that were not wholly accurate to my personal um, personal thinking after the movie. I mean, I, I have been, um, I think upfront about the fact that I don't rewatch movies and it's not something that I'm a fan of, of doing. And so, you know, really when we, when it comes down to it, rating a movie a four and saying that I'll rewatch it and, and would give it as an unsolicited recommendation is, um, is tough for me to get to. And I think that I've tried to be, um, I know that I'm not, that I don't give out the highest ratings on this podcast. Some people are much nicer than I am. Um, but I think that I have perhaps not um, always been accurate to myself. I tried rewatching this movie earlier this week and um, I didn't get more than like 25 minutes in. This is a, uh, this is kind of a tough hang if you've already seen it. And especially if you have the baggage, I think that I have that I guess, I guess you guys didn't necessarily get from the movie. However, you guys have brought up some interesting um, interpretations on some stuff that I think that um, I didn't connect with and would maybe be interesting to 
see if I could go back and pick up on. I think when I started this podcast, I was probably going to give it a two because I don't think I would rewatch it and I would still recommend it. And I think that that's we we have we have amended the rating system to allow for that as a as a uh, as a possibility. Yes, I think that this movie is probably still just a three. It would it would be too much to give it. It would it almost feels too mean and too disrespectful to the to the smart things that you guys, the pro people have said about this movie. No disrespect to you, Antonio, by the way. I think we agree on a lot of things here. But I think I think the arguments that you guys have made, it would probably be a disrespect to um, give it a two point five. So I will say that this is this is a three. Billy Bean is a is a complex character and should be actually portrayed as a complex character. And I know that we talked about him being a failure. If you want to see him actually do complex characters, a watch the social network. What the fuck are you doing? Um, but also watch Steve Jobs because not enough people watch that movie and it's incredible, incredible. Um, and also, if you if you want to see him talk about sports in a way that's like ten, Aaron Sorkin talk about sports. Excuse me, you're gonna see Aaron Sorkin talk about sports in a way that's tangential and still really fucking cool. And if you're like me um and you had any interest in sports center or anything like that or like you know the this is the 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 behind the scenes shit that goes into making a tv show about sports watch sports night ryan let's go fmk we doing it yes brad pitt leo dicaprio channing tatum you gotta fuck one marry one kill one go these are all of jonah hill's co-stars in like a three-year period Marry Leo, fuck Channing, kill Brad. Get you out. can't marry Leo because Leo will not get married. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So who are you going to fuck? You got to kill Leo, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. You do. I'm take my answers. I'm sorry, what was your answer? Why are we killing Leo? Go ahead. <laughs> well, you're not going to fuck him because you're going to fuck Channing. You're going to fuck Charming Potato, presumably. Mm. Jennifer? Jennifer? Yeah. I was. You're gonna I, marry. I'm gonna marry Channing Tatum. I'm gonna fuck Brad Pitt. And I'm gonna kill Leo. Mm. I'm fucking charming potato. He's just fun. Well, no, Brad Pitt's funny too. He's, also he's a good old. dancer. I think he's got. I think he's got. You know. He's got. Movies. And he's and he's closer to my age. I've seen like Mike or not like Mike Magic Mike. I know you have Jennifer. More importantly, you've seen Magic Mike too. Yeah. Because that's where they just were like, we don't need to make a movie. That's the best. <laughs> Um, just that's, make them that's strip. A, first of all, that's a four. <laughs> I think it's about a eight and a half. Um, <laughs> Barry Zito, Mark Mulder, Tim Hudson. This is fucking easy. I mean, y'all always say that, and y'all pick the wrong one. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Okay, let, I want I want Jen to go first on this one. Jen, no, I'm googling still. Y'all go. No, I know. No, no, no. I want you to go first because I want to see if I get the wrong answer. <laughs> Talking about that shit. I want to see if our case and men is similar. How do we know what their personalities are like? Who do we you marry? Go. So, do you want me to go first then? All right. Barry Zito, Mark Mulder, Tim Hudson. You got to fuck one, marry one, kill one. Go. So you fuck Barry Zito because you don't have a nickname for Planet Zito unless you're a fun-ass dude. You marry okay. Tim Hudson because he had the longest career, so financially he's probably the most stable. And you kill Mark Mulder because he was a shitty analyst. Listen, 
Tim Hudson looks like the nicest one. In all of his okay. pictures, he's smiling. <laughs> I love it. What's so bald? Shitting on bald people So I, I think I'm going to agree with Antonio's three. I'm, go, I'm going to marry Tim Hudson because he looks nice. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to kill Mark Mulder because he looks like an asshole. Wait, is that him too? I change my mind. Are they all him? <laughs> it says, Look, Mark Mulder's good looking. He might be the best looking out of the three. No, nah, he's Barry Zito. I don't. Oh, wait. Yeah, it's Barry gonna... Zito, man. I Sorry, got, bro. I got mine. Wait a minute. I don't know if I'm looking at the same person. <laughs> Barry Zito is the more zen looking one. Hold on, no, hold on, he's hold on. The more serial killer looking one. He looks like Jake Ster- Gyllenhaal in fucking Zodiac. Well, spoiler alert, he's not the fucking Zodiac killer in that movie. Well, no, obviously he's not, but he looks like the just looks You're like his character. Fuck Jake Gillies in Zodiac? Come on. Here's the thing. Don't be ridiculous. Okay. okay, we'll get Zodiac next. But real quick, Barry Zito, you can't kill Barry Zito because when you attempt to try and kill Barry Zito, Barry Zito will kill you first. That's why. You fuck him. Barry Zito's also a musician, if that impacts any of y'all's decision. It does. It does. That's why you fuck him again. <laughs> I don't know. What kind of musician? Does he play the drums? He's a guitar. Or naked? <laughs> Matthew McConaughey? You guys, the picture I sent you, is that Mark Mulder? <laughs> <laughs> Who is Mark Mulder? Because <laughs> there are very conflicting images here. That, like, is Mark Mulder. Mark Mulder. that is Mark Mulder. He's an okay. asshole. He looks like a fucking douchebag. Yes. Well, so but, give us your answer. But hold on, wait a minute. Hold on. But in this picture, I might change my mind. That is, I did. <laughs> see that. I was like, that is his better picture. That is a better picture. There's small. another good picture. He's still kind of an asshole, though. Okay, so then I'm gonna kill Mark Mulder. Now I'm gonna fuck Barry Zito and marry Tim Hudson. Jen, what about you? I'm going to. Fuck Mark Mulder, I'll marry Tim Hudson, and I'll kill Barry Zito. Wrong answer. I mean, I'm kind of down with that one, too. Nick, what you got? I got Antonio's. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think the obvious thing to do here is to fuck Barry Zito. That's, that's number one, you fuck Barry Zito. Why? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. that. See, because we don't because, know the history. Because uh, Planet Zito. We don't know that. I don't know. This one photo. He was always so cool. (laughs) I don't understand. He's the most attractive. I don't understand. Why would you? Why do you fuck people? I don't understand. You fuck them because they look. I don't know. They're the most attractive, and because they're cool. What? What? What are we talking about? But I just wouldn't say he's the most attractive. Does this picture say the most attractive? If are you sending the same one? I'm about. Yes. I'm trying to. (laughs) I was trying to. I was literally trying to. (laughs) Yeah, I'm hard right now. That's the one I just missed.